Culture moved across the Silk Road between India and Japan. A disclaimer before the article begins. There might be some pronunciation errors and I would like to apologize for them, if any, in advance. To start the article, how India and Japan have a history of material and philosophical trade and the most iconic of trade routes, the Silk Road. The Silk Road was a term that came into mainstream dialogue in the 19th century when German geographer Ferdinand von Richthofen defined this ancient road winding through Asia. On account of the influence of Asian trade on international trade, it's safe to say how the Silk Road was the most influential trade route in the history of mankind. Attached is an image of the Silk Road courtesy of UNESCO. What is the Silk Route? The route contains a complicated chain of roadways and seaways that connected the ancient world in a grand way. Humanity traded good ideas, goods, architecture, scientific discoveries, religious thoughts, philosophical musings, languages, spirituality, literature, artifacts, music, dance, food, drinks, and cultural traditions moved through it for centuries. It also unfortunately aided conquests of plundering hordes, which either birthed empires or sowed the seeds of destruction and destitution. It spanned over 7,000 kilometers and covered more than 40 countries. It was essentially a trade and diplomacy channel that ran through a network of land and water pathways spanning over China, Mediterranean countries, Near and Middle East, Central Asia, the Indian subcontinent and East Asia. It contained primary roads like the Oasis route, approximately 4,000 kilometers, which connected all the acrid and semi-acrid regions of Central Asia to establish the East-West Trade Connect. It also contained secondary routes like the Steppe Route, which extended the Oasis Route northwards and connected the rest of the route to the Southern Sea Route, which contained ports at the China Sea, the Indian Ocean, the Arabian Sea, the Red Sea, and the Mediterranean. It simultaneously had alternative roads, which were shorter, but were riddled with bandits and criminals seeking refuge like the route which began at the southern edge of the Taklamakan Desert. Most of these roads meet at Kashgar, also referred to as Kashi and Far West China, making it an important trade center. The Japanese-Indian Connection all these routes are important to the Indian-Japanese trade connect because Indian goods ended up being traded at the Chinese ports to the west or the city of Nara. Through a complicated road that ran through the Taklamakan Desert, the Tianshan and Kunlunshan, the Pamirs, the Karakoram and the Kaiselkum Desert and the Hindu Kush, the traveling caravan could finally meet the oceans to reach Japan or the west. The countries definitely have a connection that runs deep. Attached is an image which states the UNESCO's brief about 
the contribution of the India and Japan to the Silk Route. Japan and India have always been welcoming countries. Japan was the eastern end of the route. India was to the center, geographically speaking. And given its peninsular nature, it was connected to four separate corridors of the trade route. The routes that connected both countries primarily was the Southern Sea Route, which started at the southern coast of China in Guangzhou, Canton. Then it rounded the Indian China Peninsula through the Malacca Straits and it connected to India at the mouth of the Ganga. At the mouth of the Ganga, traders exchanged all that they could, picked people up or dropped them off and carried on towards Japan. We know this because a Chinese Tang Dynasty census conducted in 754 AD showed around 5,000 foreigners living in Xi'an. These foreigners were Turks, Iranians, Indians, Japanese, Koreans, and Malays. The reference is Dr. Oliver Weil's analysis. These foreigners were exiled aristocrats and army generals, healers, merchants, artisans, Buddhist monks, missionaries, scholars, musicians, dancers, artists, and refugees. As they moved around, they unconsciously spread the culture and tradable goods from the different countries they visited. As this economic and cultural pipeline deepened, silk began, became the currency that prospered the Chinese economy. However, immigration across the Silk Route began suddenly. Silk tradesmen went to the Korean Peninsula in 200 BC and they landed on Indian and Japanese shores in 380. From then on, Asia became the place that traded silk. In fact, the Romans knew of Asia as Ceres or the Kingdom of Silks. Traders of other crafts also started immigrating in hopes of finding the next silk. At the beginning of the 6th century, the Japanese began immigrating to improve their overall skills and knowledge. Officials from the royal court, students and Buddhist monks went across Asia for training under the masters. The migration began from Osaka and evidence of this can be found in the archives of the monastery at Horyoji and the imperial treasure trove of Shosin. Indian specialization regarding trades like extracting poisons, using medicinal plants, processing and dyeing cotton to make colorful fabrics, and Buddhism moved seamlessly from India to Japan. Kyotaro Nishiwa Nishikawa's book, The Great Age of Japanese Buddhist Sculpture, published in AD 600 spanning to 1300, paints a vivid picture about the positive relationship between the two countries. Buddhism and how it links India and Japan. Buddhism, like most religions, attracted the wise and sightful people of each region it graced. Buddhist monks meticulously tabulated data while also facilitating translations for everyone willing to learn. They let people communicate with each other. The Kushan rulers of India were so fascinated by the Japanese counterparts that they wrote about the cultural relationships they had with Japan fondly. They also fostered common cultural values to build up companionship with the new allies. India is where Siddharth Gautam, referred to as the Buddha, attained 
enlightenment. His disciples brought his teachings to China in the first century AD. These disciples also traveled to Pakistan, Afghanistan, Central Asia, Xiaojing, China, Korea, and Japan. Given their peaceful nature and message of love, they were allowed to build monasteries and pagodas in all the Silk Road towns. The Buddhists who traveled extensively shared and imbibed cultures. They traded or gifted pieces of art, sculptures, figurines, and lots of literature to emperors, chieftains, and religious heads. When Han Emperor Mingdi dreamed of a golden feature in his dream, Chinese diplomat Zhang Qiang had returned from Tasya with tales of a golden figure preaching in Tianchu, India. General Kaiying was sent to Central Asia to learn more about the golden figure. Three years later, when he returned, China heard about Buddhism for the first time. Two Buddhist monks, Simuteng and Chufalan, accompanied the general on his way back to China. Buddhism spread through China like the fragrant wisps of an ethereal incense stick. By the time 4th century rolled around, Buddhism had spread all over the route courtesy of translation efforts by translation bureaus. Indian Buddhist monk Kumarajiva formed a team which translated some 98 works of Buddhism to Chinese and other languages. These monks practiced Hinayana and Mahayana forms of Buddhism. It is the Mahayana form of Buddhism that links India and Japan. Mahayana literally translates to a large vehicle. Mahayana Buddhism quickly replaced the Hinayana schools on the Silk Road because of how popular the doctrine became. As the principal trade route in India passed through Indian premier educational hub Takshila onward to Central Asia, a lot of Indian culture and knowledge just transmitted everywhere. Some of these scholars sailed to Japan around 8th century via the port in the then capital of Japan, Nara. Emperor Shou ruled over Japan in the 8th century. He believed in fostering new cultures. His royal court preserved every record and artifact meticulously, and they enabled the spread of Buddhism in Japan, a country that prayed to Shinto gods. Unlike the rest of the world, which adopted a new religion by discarding the religion they previously practiced, Japanese scholars incorporated Buddhism into their religious Shinto faith. In fact, they had an Indian monk, Bodhisena, perform the first Nichiren eye-opening ceremony of Lord Buddha at Toraji. Bodhisena was joined by various Chinese, Korean and Japanese monks in the sacred ceremony of planting Lord Buddha's pupil. The clue of our relationship lies in the artifacts and documents meticulously protected at the Shoshin Repository by the members of Todaji and the Imperial Household Agency. Todaiji's architecture is modeled after Chinese architecture. Animal motifs not found in Japan, like peacocks, elephants, tigers, show up in the artifacts stored in the repository. Also, ivory, sandalwood, precious and semi-precious gemstones not native to Japan but native to India, can be found in the repository. Similarly, a salute of Shinto deer, the symbol of Kasuga Taisha, can be found in records of Hinduism 
showing how the cultural significance of the deer and their status as sacred messengers carried into India and Central Asia. A very visible symbol of Indo-Japan friendship is Daruma-san. This red and white striped, stripped hollow doll provides the patience and luck required to help achieve our goals. Historically, it was modeled after Bodhidharma, the Indian Zen Buddhist monk. He was the third son of Pallava king from Kanchipuram, India, who brought the art of Zen to all of Asia around the 6th century. His words impressed the Emperor Shomu and Empress Komyo so much that they lived by the principles he preached. In fact, they were the first Japanese royalty to retire from their royal duties to become Buddhist monks and Buddhist nun, respectively. References to Bodhidharma and his disciples can be found across museums and temple archives in Japan. Japan has such a welcoming spirit that they even welcome Hinduism with open arms. Scholars from the age of Kukai, the founder of the Shingon sect of Japanese Buddhism, report the origins of Ganesh worship in Japan since 806 AD. In Japan, Lord Ganesh is Ganesha, Vinayaka, Kangiten, or the God of Bliss. And like the Indian Ganesh, the Japanese Kangiten also offers good luck, love, enlightenment, and worldly gains. We also find the idols of Benzaitan, Goddess Saraswati, and Bisha Mountain, Lord Kuber, in the temple of Daishoin. Similarly, the Indian god of death, Yamraj, became Yamantaka, something that death, Yama, feared. What now? As Japan now invests 130 billion, which is 1.89 billion USD in the Look East policy of India to help develop the infrastructure of Northeastern India under the India-Japan Coordination Forum for Development of Northeast. It just highlights how Japan has always been welcoming and helpful to those who seek their assistance. All we have to do is look around with open eyes and soak in the glory of the cultural juxtaposition provided by the gorgeous trade route that we dub the Silk Route. A note, I won a prize for this article. That is the Sericum Japanica Prize for 2020. And sadly, the platform does not survive. So you can read this article on my website, a copy of it anyway, binatishade.com. Slash essays. Thank you so much for listening in and I will see you soon.